You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Now, as you're turning, you might notice that there are a couple of plants over uh, to my left, your right, over here on this little stage. And um, for those in the back or those on this side of the room that can't really make out what you're seeing, one of them looks pretty good. The other one looks, well, there's something dreadfully wrong with it. And I'm going to tell you why there's something dreadfully wrong. It's all wilted and fallen over because I've been killing it been a hard thing for me to do that. I have been destroying it by way of what I've been feeding it, by way of the root system. The title of today's message is Rooted in Truth. For the last several weeks we've been trying to teach about that which is true versus that which is false. Now as you look above my head, it's hard to tell, especially if you've not been here, how to pick out the word true, how to pick out the word false, but it's there. But I'll tell you, if we light it up and we distinctly point out what is true, we make it red and we point it out, then you can know the truth. True versus false. Today we're going to see how to be rooted in the truth. Have you made your way there? Colossians chapter 2. Follow along with me, picking up in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now this is making the assumption that these are born again people that are hearing this letter read. Because they're, they've received Christ. So, therefore having received Jesus, walk in Him. That means live for Him. Rooted, see it, verse 7, built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We're in thanksgiving season now. We should be thankful. Now watch verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. Another word there is teaching and empty deceit that is according to human tradition and according to the elemental spirits. That phrase elemental spirits literally means of the demonic realm. Demonic rulers means it's coming from Satan. But not according to Christ. Verse 9, for in Him, who? Christ, Jesus, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in Him, Jesus, who is the head of all rule and authority. We saw last week how the Apostle Paul was struggling mightily to make certain that the Colossian believers did not fall for the false doctrine that was being espoused in Colossae. You may remember our map that we showed you of the Lycus River Valley. You remember? Hot water flows from the hot springs in Hierapolis. See it there, top of the map. And cold water comes from the Lycus River flowing from Colossae. And where do they meet? In Laodicea. And if you mix hot water and cold water, you get what kind of water? Lukewarm and it's nasty. To the point that Jesus said in the book of the Revelation, if you're lukewarm I will spit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. In other words, Jesus was saying, you're either going to be hot or cold and if you're lukewarm I want no part of you. You are ineffective for me. Church family, the important thing about any teaching is its origin. Where does it come from? What is its source? It's either true, it comes from God, or it comes from man. In other words, where is it rooted? Now take a look at this tree. See the screens? Take a look at that root system. It's huge, isn't it? Did you know that for most trees, their root system below the ground is as wide or wider than the tree is tall and wide above the ground? So what you see above the ground is a mirror image of what's below the ground. It takes that kind of root system to adequately nourish the tree. Now we learned this in school. The root system is all important to a tree or to a plant. We all know that the life of any tree or plant is in its roots. 
The nature of what that tree or plant is feeding on from its roots will determine the quality of the health of that tree or that plant. The healthier, the firmer, the deeper, the more nourished the roots, the healthier and the more fruitful the tree or the plant. Look at me, please. And the same is true for Christians. So how are your roots today? You say, I don't have any roots. Yeah, you do. Let me tell you what make up, makes up your root system. Four holes in your body. Two eyes, two ears. And what you and I take in through these eyes and through these ears feed us. That's the root system. So how are you rooted today? What are you drawing into yourself? Into yourself? Is it healthy? Is it good? Or is it poison? Like I've been doing to that plant over there. The one on the left, I've been poisoning. That's been hard for me to do. I bought those plants on Wednesday, and I've been poisoning that one ever since. That's the weirdest thing. I mean, I even try to let flies out of the house. I mean, I'm just not a killer. This is the question that the Apostle Paul has been seeking to answer about the Colossian church. Are they going to get taken down by what they're taking in by way of false teaching? Look at verse 6 again. See it? Colossians 2, 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, you're, you're saved, so now walk in Him. If you're saved, then live like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Now many of us, if not most of us here this morning, claim to be followers of Jesus. But are we walking in Him? Are we following His footsteps, His teachings, His principles? How firmly are we rooted in Him? How established are we in the faith? Is Jesus the root and center of our lives? Or might it be something else? Or someone else? It can be good things, but we can so easily place those as Lord in our lives. It could be a person. Hey, Mom and Dad... What motivates you could be your kid. You don't mean to, but you put them ahead of the Lord. Their pursuits, their stuff. It could be, sir, a job. It could be a hobby. It could be many things. It's anything that we put ahead of the Lord Jesus. That begins to motivate us. That begins to provide what we think we want out of life. Nourishment and sustenance. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just not the best thing. Jesus. Church, Jesus wants us to bear fruit for Him. He does. He wants us to live for Him, to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and walk in Him, take nourishment from Him. And how do we do that? Well, you're doing it here right now. You're taking in nourishment by what you see and what you hear. You also have one of these, I hope, don't you? Right? Do you read the Bible? You know, I'm amazed at how many Christians never read the Bible. They never pick up the Bible. Students, high school students, kids that made a profession of faith when they were 10 years old, they're 14 now, they never read the Bible. Why? Are you walking in Christ? Why do we never pray? You say, oh, I pray when you're in trouble. Do you have a quiet time, a time you get along with the Lord? The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Do you have 10 minutes in the morning that you're going to get along with the Lord? Oh, that bed's comfy, though, especially these cold mornings. Oh, yeah, I'm going to sleep as late as I can, and then I'm going to go like a mad person trying to get ready. Well, I don't have to do that, but some of you do. You fixing my hair. You get... And we just go through life. And the Lord looks over the balcony of heaven. And He waits. Hello? Hello? I can help you. And all of you are running around. All of you are scurrying around trying to do this and that and figure it out. I'm here for you. Talk to me. Are you rooted in the Lord? Church, for us to bear fruit that pertains to life and godliness, we must be rooted in Jesus. And you see, you can tell by what we see. 
you can tell if there's fruit on the tree what kind of tree it is. You see, if the root of the life is holy below the ground, the life will be holy above the ground. So let me ask you something. Are you cussing? Hmm? Do you cuss? You go, well, that's not really me. Yes, it is. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that. That's not really me. Yes, it is. It came out of you. I'm not the one crazy. You are. That's not really me. No, no, it is. Because what we take in through our eyes and through our ears, and if you watch a bunch of stuff that's got a bunch of cussing in it, then you're going to likely start cussing. And if you watch a bunch of junk that's got a lot of sexual innuendo in it, and then you're going to start thinking all kinds of different things about that's okay for me and my boyfriend or my girlfriend, and you're going to start watching stuff on the Science Channel and thinking this is okay about life and evolution, and, and we're going to think, well, it's just a blob of tissue, it's not really a life, and, and marriage, oh, it's whatever the culture thinks, as long as it's not hurting anybody, who's to stop love? And it's gender, I mean, male, female, who not? The truth is the truth, folks. You see, and if it goes against the Word of God, then it's not true. Are you okay with that? Yes. Are you okay with the fact that any issue, any circumstance that goes outside of the purview of Scripture that purports to be true is a lie? Let me ask you something. If I offered you a bottle of water and I only put one little drop from a medicine dropper of cyanide poisoning in it, would you want it? It's just one little drop. Good, good. Anyone? Anyone? Raise your hand. I'll bring it to you. Anyone? Anyone? Because I'm good. I, I mean, I'm a poisoner here. Look at this. I've been killing this thing. You don't want that, do you? But so much of what we take into our minds and into our lives, the television shows, the movies, the stuff... It's poisoning us. Are we bearing fruit? Depends on what you're taking nourishment from. Well, what are you watching? What are you listening to? Remember our sign from last week? We've been showing you this sign. We're trying to point people away from the bridge, from the washout. We're pointing them to the detour sign of Jesus. Remember my delivery guy? wasn't this guy, but it was a guy like this. Remember last week I was talking about driving around in downtown Charlotte and all those one-way streets and I couldn't figure out where I was going. And finally the guy pulled out a pen from his vest and wrote on a napkin exactly the way to go. And I went exactly the way he told me to go. I didn't deviate from the way because he knew the way. Hey, who knows the way in this life? Jesus. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Pilate asked Jesus one day, what is truth? And the truth was staring him in the face. Jesus is the way. Are you following him? If you are, then you're rooted in him. That means you spend time with him. That's verse 7. See, we'll be rooted and built up in him. We're built up in him. That means we spend time with him. We're established in the faith. We do that by reading the Word of God. We do that by, by, by prayer. Just as you were taught according, or excuse me, abounding in thanksgiving. That's a great verse of Scripture. I love the words rooted, built up, established, taught, solid, great descriptive words. It indicates a spiritual heritage, a spiritual ancestry. You have one if you're born again. Who led you to Christ? Who was instrumental in your life in bringing you to a place as you saw your need for Jesus and then you invited him into your life? Was it a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, a sibling, a friend, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, a teacher, a pastor? Who was it? Be thankful. Be thankful for your spiritual ancestry. Somebody that, 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 that came along and showed you to Christ. And then there's probably somebody in your life that's, that's probably mentored you. It may have not have been, uh, you know, exactly in a, a mentor-mentoree type relationship, but, but they kind of took you under their wing. And, they, and to use the analogy of the plant, they, they watered you. They made sure you got sunlight. They fertilized you so you could grow. Who, who was that person or persons? Be thankful. And so the question is, who are you doing that for? Who, who are you discipling? You know, we disciple by the things that we say and the things that we do, the things that we post, the things that we're involved in.
You know, the Apostle Paul reminded young Timothy of his spiritual heritage, which came from his mother and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice. Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at the screens, verses 14 and 15. But as for you, O Timothy, continue, that means keep on, don't turn away from it, what you have learned and have believed how? Firmly. That's rooted. That's established. Knowing from whom you learned it, from, from good quality believers, his mother and grandmother, and how from childhood, you see that from childhood, the word there could even be infancy. You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that's the scripture, even from childhood that were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Remember, look at me. We talked about this last week. Remember, we talked about, are we discipling in our homes? We, we got to get away from the screens for a little while. Right? Remember the phones and the, and the, the TVs and the iPads and the computer screens. See, Paul reminded Timothy how he was taught from his infancy. Hey, Dad, you got a three-year-old in the home. You listening? You got a three-year-old in the home. Grandpa, you got a three-year-old that comes over to the house. You can train that kid. You go, he's just three years old. Hey, hey, listen. You say, I don't have time. They don't have an attention span. I get it. Take the age of a kid, double it, and that's their attention span. So what do you have? Can you do the math? Six minutes. You go, that's not long. It's long enough. Hey, get on the couch. Tell the three-year-old, hey, I'm Daniel, and I've now been thrown into the lion's den. Roll off the couch, pull the pillows around you, make the, the, these are the lions. But I'm safe. And lay your head on one of the pillows and act it out to the three-year-old. And let the three-year-old lay his or her head on one of the pillows. And you have just started to root them in the ways of the Lord. But see, you've got to think about it. You and I have to think about it. We have to be disciplined. That's what it means to be a disciple. See, we don't think about it. We don't think about it. We think about the next fun thing. We're all into existentialism in America. What's the next fun thing I can do? And we're thinking about going home and just vegging out. And see, the most important thing you and I can do if we've got kids still in the home, mom and dad, is to save some for home and spend some time with them and to teach and train them. I'm not talking about some church service. I'm not talking, I used to think that. I used to think, bless my, my kids' hearts, I'd, I'd have like a church service, 30-minute long thing, some long ordeal that they had to go through. I'm not saying it has to be that. I'm saying as they get older, it might can be a little more elongated. A lot of times you can talk to your kids and begin talking about an issue. Just pick an issue. And talk about it. What is the truth about this? You know, the Science Channel says that we got here by way of evolution. So is that true? Okay, so, so we talk about these things. And, and that you can train. And that's why Paul was reminding Timothy that he was trained. But it takes time. And that's how we water the root system. You see, there's two plants sitting over there. One is flourishing, and the other one, for all intents and purposes, is dead. Because I've been killing it. It's been the hardest thing to try to kill a plant. It's been weird. Because I know I've been poisoning the plant since Wednesday. I've been purposely poisoning the plant. And that's Colossians 2.8. Watch it. See verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits, that's the demonic realm of the world, and not according to Christ. Notice that phrase, take you captive. It's a military phrase. And it literally means to haul off as a prisoner of war or to take as the spoils of war. The Apostle Paul in essence is saying, don't let Satan lure you back into that false system of teaching where you're taken back into the domain of darkness. Why would you go back to the darkness? When you've been delivered, remember from last week, where does all knowledge come from? All truth come from? Jesus. Look at Colossians 2. Go back up to verse 2 again. See to it. Verse 2, that your hearts may be encouraged. How? Being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. We were singing about that. The mystery of God in the Revelation song. The mystery that's found in Christ, which is Him in verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures. Notice that. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus. I say this in order that no one may delude you with their plausible arguments on the Science Channel, Discovery Channel, in our colleges and universities. Oh, they're plausible. What arguments? Philosophies. 
empty deceit, human traditions, and they all come from one place. If they're outside of God, they come from one place, Satan, the father of lies. Look at verse 8 again, and notice that last phrase. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. And here's, where, here's the root of it. That's according to the elemental spirits of the world. That's the construction in the Greek. It is from the demonic realm, not according to Christ. Church, a person will either become a victim of human wisdom, human reasoning, human logic, logic that is from Satan himself, or they will become complete in Christ, in his wisdom, in his knowledge. That's the choice of every human being, and that's your choice sitting here in this room. You're either going to choose the way of Jesus and the wisdom of Jesus, or you're going to choose Satan in his ways. But here's the thing. We're so easily deceived. You've not been seeing me poisoning that plant. You know something's wrong with it now, though, because that thing's about half the size of the other one, and I've had them both since Wednesday. So often we think we're following Jesus, but we're actually following the ways of the world because we begin to compromise. We take that stuff into the root system, things that are anti-biblical, we know what the Bible says about marriage. We know what the Bible says about a human life. We know what the Bible says about gender. We know what the Bible says about how we got here. We take in all this other stuff and we begin to start think, have stinking thinking. I'm discipling several young men. It's a privilege. And uh, one of them sent me a text earlier this week. I thought it was really great. It's a 23-year-old businessman. And here's what he said. He said, this is speaking of compromise. We, we were talking about, we were, he's, he and I are reading together in the book of Galatians. He said, compromise is an important element in getting along with others, but we should never compromise the truth of God's Word. If we feel we have to change our Christian beliefs to match those of our companions, we are on dangerous ground. End of quote. Excellent point, 23-year-old businessman. Excellent point. Are you compromising? Just a little bit of poison mixed with the truth. You want some cyanide poisoning in your bottle of water? Just a little bit. What if it's 99.8% true? Then it's a lie. Some of you are like, no, it's not. That's close enough. No, it's not. No, it's not. You want a surgeon to be 99.8% on the money with you? Huh? Would you like your company to pay you 100% of what they're supposed to pay you? Or do you just want 998 for the rest of your life? I'd like everything I'm due to me, right? Wouldn't you? Right? Don't you hate it when they miss the fries in the bag? Huh? You're driving away. You're four miles from the house. You're like, holy cow, they missed a fry. It's supposed to be four fries. There's three fries, and then you've got to share them. Isn't that awful? Sharing with people that you love. You know? And my kids, they'll count them. They'll pour them out and count them. It's hilarious. Take you captive. It's so easy to be lured into the stuff of this world. See, this was the concern that Epaphras had. You remember Epaphras? Good old Pap. See, he was the one that was concerned. He's the one who lived in Colossae, but he's so concerned that his brothers and sisters in Christ were starting to believe a lot of this garbage that was being espoused in Colossae this lukewarm mess, that he took off and he went to Rome. And you go, well, that's great. He, he went to town. No, he didn't. Let me show you a map of how far this guy went. He went from Colossae. On the map, he went from right to left. He went from Colossae all the way to Rome because Paul's in Rome. That's 1,313 miles. It's 28 hours by car. Can you imagine walking that far? This was a big deal to Epaphras. It was very important because he was scared to death. The people were going to walk right off to the cliff of deception. They were going to go right through the detour sign. You know, church, do we actually think that Satan is going to go down without a fight? Satan is after you. He's after me. There's a bullseye on our back. Mom and dad, there's a bullseye on your kid's back. Do you pray for them? I mean, really pray for them. This is spiritual warfare. Satan is always wanting to blur the truth, compromise it. 
for millennia in every city, every culture, every country. Satan has sought and still does to pervert the truth. Satan always seeks to do that. And Satan seeks to take down the church by infiltrating the church with false doctrine. That's the easiest way to destroy it from within. Deceit. That's that word in verse 8. Did you see it in verse 8? The word deceit in the Greek, it means to beguile or trick. And they say a picture is worth a thousand words, so here's what, it, here's what deceit means. Here, fishy, 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 fishy. Here, fishy, fishy. It's the worm on the hook. Satan is always baiting hooks. You know, the fish doesn't expect to get that hook in the mouth now, does it? That's what false teaching does. That's what the world's philosophies of Satan do. It's a baited hook, and you think it's going to be wonderful, and it turns out to be deceiving and deadly. Think about philosophy. That word there in verse 8, philosophy. We're told in verse 8 not to be taken captive by it, not to be hauled off by it. You know, throughout history, mankind has pursued an understanding of why we're here. The question of, why are we here? What is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? Where have we come from and where are we going? And so through the centuries, there have been many, many solutions offered. Many, many different philosophies from philosophers like Plato and Aristotle and Socrates. Literally, there have been tens of thousands of philosophers throughout the ages, and they all have a philosophy as to the meaning of life, but who's right? Jesus. He said, I am the truth. You know how he proved it? He got up from the dead. That's, that's, that's pretty cool when you think about it. I did a little study on some of the contemporary philosophers who have influenced the minds of a lot of the philosophers of our day, the Carl Sagans and who influenced Charles Dawkins and who has influenced Neil deGrasse Tyson and Stephen Hawking, who is now dead. Who's influenced these guys? Maybe names of men you've never heard of, like, for instance, a man named Bertrand Russell. Perhaps you've never heard of him. He was a British philosopher. He was considered one of the most brilliant men of the 20th century. Russell described himself as an agnostic in 1947. Now, what's an agnostic? An agnostic is someone who is open to the possibility that there is a God. Not exactly sure, but open to the possibility. But an atheist is what? No God. You understand the difference? Agnostic? Eh, I might can be convinced. An atheist? No way there is a God. Bertrand Russell said, I'm an agnostic in 1947. But then he said this to reveal his true colors. See the screens? He said, he said I would say that I am an agnostic, but speaking popularly, because he wanted to be popular, of course. I think that all of us would say in regard to those gods of this age that we were atheists. In regard to the Christian God, I should, I think, take exactly the same line. For most of his adult life, Bertrand Russell maintained religion to be little more than superstition. And despite any positive effects, so say his memoirs, he said that religion is largely harmful to people. I guess I'm harming you right now. He believed that religion served to impede knowledge because he's an intellectual elite. What does that mean? It means he's smarter than we are. You know what I'm saying? We're just a bunch of dumb country bumpkins around here. You know, if you're really, really smart, then that means that you've got to know everything. And the rest of us are just stupid. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're told. If you, do, if you believe in God, you believe in the God-man Jesus Christ. Yeah, Bertrand Russell... He said that religion impedes knowledge, fosters fear and dependency. He said religion is a crutch. He said he didn't need a crutch. He was confident in himself. Bertrand Russell. 
He believed that religion was responsible for much of the world's wars, responsible for oppression, responsible for misery. He was a member of a humanist organization called the British Humanist Association until his death. Bertrand Russell died in 1970. He was 98 years old. And can I show you the very last words that were uttered from his dying lips? Here's his last words. Philosophy has proved a washout to me. Almost a hundred years of living, and he said, it's all worthless. All that philosophy that I taught is a washout. Where is uh, Bertrand Russell today? See this man? Thomas Hobbes. Happy looking chap. <laughs> famous English philosopher. He was an atheist. On his deathbed, he said, and I quote, I'm about to take a leap into the dark. I shall be glad to find a hole to creep out of this world. End of quote. Well, he found a hole all right. One more. David Hume. David Hume said, question everything. We know nothing. Believe nothing. Hume was a famous Scottish atheist philosopher who was a very immoral man, say the biographers. They describe how when he died, he died an agonizing death of cancer in 1776 when this country was founded. They tell us that Hume's caregivers at his death said that he agonized to the point that he shook the bed and he demanded that candles stay lit all night because he didn't want to be in the darkness. And they said he was panicky and that he didn't want to be left alone for a single moment. They said... And I quote, his lips were filled with cursing and remorse until he died. End of quote. Hmm. The man who said question everything, believe nothing. And where did that get him? A panicky, terrifying death. And so it goes with those who attempt to use their own minds, their own intellect, their own human efforts to attempt to discover the truth. And the city of Colossae was full of those types of people. They had their Russells and Hobbes and Humes, and we do today. The church at Colossae was in danger of being captured by them, and we are today. Deception. Duped. Tricked. Corrupted. From the roots. The philosophy of this world, the philosophy of Satan's system is an empty illusion. It's a worm on a hook, and it's a washout. It's worthless. It leaves us on a deathbed without answers. The truth is found in Jesus Christ alone, who rose from the dead. Do you believe that? you believe in Jesus? Had a young man after the first service stop me. He's wrestling with faith in Christ. He said, you know, I've kind of had a hard time talking to somebody I can't see. I said, let me step into the room and walk away for just a moment. Do you recognize my voice? He said, yeah. I said, if I were to walk away, I didn't. But I said, if I were to walk away, could you recognize my voice even though you didn't see me? He said, yeah, I get it. I said, Jesus said that my sheep will know me and they'll recognize my voice. I said, listen to me, young man. I said, God's spirit speaks to our spirit, bears witness with our spirit, and you can know the voice of God as plain as day as he speaks into your thoughts. Are you feeding yourself with truth? The truth is the revelation of God spoken to us by way of his son Jesus. He is the truth. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, look at the screens, 1 Timothy 6, 20, oh Timothy, oh Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Who is that? That's your salvation in Christ. And avoid all this irreverent babble. And all these contradictions of what is falsely called, see the quotes, knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. We've got to get this, church. We've got to get this. Go back to verse 8. Now watch it. We learn by repetition. Here we go. Verses 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and a worm on a hook, according to human tradition, according to all the elemental spirits, all these demonic forces of the world. 
not according to Christ, for in Jesus the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That was the issue. The Colossians said Jesus didn't come in a body and he was not God. That's a lie. He said, you've been filled in him. Of course we have, by way of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the head of all rule and of all authority. Jesus is the authority. And so whatever the world system says that disagrees with what he says, it's false. I don't care how popular it is. So what is the philosophy of our day? Oh, there's all kinds of philosophies. What's the worm on the hook for our day? What's the worm on the hook for our children? I know there are lots of things we could talk about. There are many worms on the hook of our day. I want you to see the worm again. See the worm, it barely covers the hook. What does that mean? It means that the most insidious philosophies are those that are the most close to the truth, but aren't the truth. Oh, there's some truth, but it's mixed with error, which makes it false. You see, if we're not walking the ways of Jesus, we're not walking in the truth. And from what I see, one of the most insidious philosophies of our day, the greatest worm of our day for us living here in America, here in the good old U.S. of A., is the almighty American dream. It's like this. I overheard a conversation the other day, a Christian man who said that he was concerned about his son, a young man in his 20s, mid-20s, still living at home, and he lamented the fact that his son wasn't really following Jesus. Nothing bad, he said. I was overhearing this conversation. He was talking to someone else. But he said he, he, said he just doesn't have a desire for the things of God. He doesn't want to go to church or be involved with Christian things. He said, but you know, he said, thankfully, his mom and I, we've raised him up in a Christian home. And you know, if you raise up a child in the way he should go, one day when he's old, he'll come back to it. You know me. It was all I could do to hold back. But I did, because it wasn't the time and place for me to be able to say this. I don't know the man well enough. I wanted to say, you got it wrong, fella. <laughs> You're quoting Proverbs 22.6. Can I show you Proverbs 22.6? Let's make sure that we are 100% accurate. No worm on a hook here. Ready? Here we go. Train up a child and the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Can I show you how that looks? You ready? Watch, 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 watch. You're an infant. You're teaching your child, three years old, falling off the couch into the lion's den with the pillows, which are the lions. You got it? Train up a child in the way him or her, he or she should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. You know what people believe? Go back here and the kid prays a prayer when they're nine or ten years old. Gets saved, gets baptized, right? Walks an aisle and then just walks off into oblivion. Just off into oblivion. Just out in the world, all over everywhere. Oh, but because I've raised him in a Christian home, he's bound to come back. He's bound to come back. Excuse me, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. Pardon me. Pardon me. Let me, excuse me. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much, Gwenda. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Of course I'm bound to come back. Of course. Maybe not. Because you know what? Maybe they were never born again. So what am I saying? I'm saying, you train up a child in the way he should go. If he's really born again, then there's not going to be a season of sowing wild oats. Well, I guess he's sowing his wild oats. Where is that in Scripture? Listen, I'm not saying we won't sin. I'm not saying there won't be times that, that, that we vary from the path. But this whole idea that some guy can pray a prayer when he's nine years old and now he's 49 years old, four decades have gone by and you got a 69-year-old mama that says, well, bless God, one day he's bound to come back because that's what that scripture says, you know? Listen, I believe in once saved, always saved, if they really got saved. Ain't everybody talking about heaven going there. Are you born again? I wanted to ask the man, could it be your kid might not be a Christian? Is that possible? Let's see now. Let's, let's investigate what's above the ground. Doesn't have a desire for the things of God. 
doesn't want to come to church, wants nothing to do. Anytime you bring up the idea of, of doing anything Christian, not interested. Look, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Okay, I might be dumb, but I ain't stupid. There's a problem there. We got a plant that's dying. You know what's even crazier? This guy kept talking, and he said, well, I guess it's just a stage. He said, I, he said, I hope he'll meet a girl and settle down. That's going to solve it? No offense, ladies. That, this mid-20-something-year-old... He said, after all, he's got a good education. He graduated from college. He's got a good job. He's living at home, so he's saving money. And so, yeah, I hope he'll meet a girl and settle down. What? That is the way to follow Jesus? If he just meets a girl and settles down, now he's going to get back on the path? Might he need to actually be introduced to Jesus? Might we need to talk to him about Jesus? Could it be that we're settling for the American dream? So many Christians are taking the bait on the hook, and we raise our kids just that way. Education leads to money, leads to success. Get married, settle down, have some kids, retire. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You see, we've got to get to the place, church, that we stop displacing Jesus with the stuff of this world, placing success and prosperity above the cross. Hey, what if your kid never got a great job, but just had an average job? What if your kid never made a lot of money, but just enough money to keep his or her head above water? What if your kid never ran a company, but just drove a truck for the company, or answered the phone for the company, or swept a warehouse in the company, but they followed Jesus? Oh my, but is that enough for us? Oh, my kid is a bank vice president. My kid ran for 432 yards Friday night on just 12 carries. See, what we brag about regarding our kids is what we hold most dear. Are we displacing the Lord Jesus with the American dream? Church, what if we actually love Jesus more than anything? actually love Jesus more than money, more than our kids' success, more than our retirement accounts, more than prosperity? What if we just loved Jesus and let their chips fall where they may? You think we might have a little more joy? Oh, I know so. No panicky death for that person. What if we actually love Jesus more than anything? If that were the case, we might start thinking about sharing him with others. I mean, I could then ask this question, who's your one? In other words, you look at your sphere of influence and, and, and let that be you from behind there and, and you look at where you work or what you do and, 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 and you determine, okay, who is somebody that I might can reach in my circle of influence? We might, we might start thinking less about ourselves and more about actually doing what Jesus called us to do, which is to go and make disciples of all nations. Are you discipling anyone? Somebody discipled you. What about you? See, for so many Christians, they just still want to come and be spoon-fed. Here, open up. <laughs> open up, open up. Let, me Let Pastor Kevin feed you. I'm not being mean here. I'm just being honest. When will you start taking the spoon in your hand and discipling somebody? When will I? You know, that's why I thought about it. You know, I'm discipling my kids, but I need to be discipling others. And so I've really made a concerted effort to disciple young men. I'm sorry, ladies. I don't disciple young ladies. Sorry, I'm not going to have one-on-ones with young You understand that. You understand that. So that's not to be offensive. The Bible says in Titus 2, let the older men teach the younger men, and let the older women teach the younger women. That's how that works. Maybe we're just too busy to do that, though. 
Let me show you what it looks like when we're too busy and this is what happens to a plant. Can somebody tell me what's wrong with that plant? What's wrong with that plant? Talk to me. It's root bound. That means the plant was in, in a pot and over time that pot's done all it can do. And so, of course, we just buy a bigger plant or pot now and we'll plant that plant the way it is and it's going to be good to go, right? Oh, don't, some of you don't know what you're talking about. Don't be going like this because you're dumb. So was I because I've done it. And I looked at the plant a couple of weeks later. I'm like, good night. The pot's 15 times bigger than the plant. Why isn't my plant growing? It's actually dying. You know why? Because the roots will keep growing around itself. Do you know what you got to do the roots? Hurt them. Take a look. You've got to take the root ball and rip it apart. You've got to rip it in from the bottom, and you've got to begin pulling that. And that's painful. It's uncomfortable. That's the only way those roots will begin to flourish. So many of us are root-bound. It's all about me. It's all about my deal, and I'm just winding my roots in a little bitty pot. We need a God-sized vision that goes beyond ourselves in our own little worlds but here's the thing, it's going to take some pain. Maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us, to cut us. Would you be willing to do that right now? In your heart, is the Holy Spirit convicting you? Just say, Lord, cut me. Help me to get beyond myself. You see, I've been killing this plant. I, I feel terrible about this. You know what I've been feeding this plant? You know what I started out feeding this plant? That. Vinegar. Apple cider vinegar. Organic. I'm, 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 I'm good there. It's organic. But you know what? That wasn't doing it. So I started giving it salt, rubbing alcohol. But then I gave it something else. Justin, can you tell me by smelling it what I might have given it? Gas. Gas. Smell it, my dear. Sophie, Casey, get a whiff of that. Whoo! Put that in my car last night. You know what my car smells like now? Oh, Lord have mercy. This, this plant's over because I've been poisoning it since Wednesday. I feel so terrible. But I've been watering this one. It's ha I'm taking this one home. This one's going in the dumpster because what I fed it has destroyed it. What are we feeding ourselves? What are we taking in through these holes and through these holes? You say, well, it's not that bad. It's not that much cussing. It's not that much sexual stuff. It's not that much. <laughs> you want my bottle of cyanide poisoning? A little dabble, do you? I told you I'm trying to disciple some young men. I, I'm meeting with a young man tomorrow afternoon, and uh, he sent me an email a couple days ago, and I thought it was beautiful. He said this, and I quote, he said, Pastor Kevin, you said a while back to use your platform, which right now, and he listed the name of the company he's working for, he said, I run a glue press. He said, I have a cabinet where I keep stuff, and I have placed a whiteboard over it. He said, I write different Bible verses on it so that people can see the impact of God's Word. He said, the biggest thing I can be to those guys is an example, and I'm always trying to think of a different way to share. End of quote. That's beautiful. See, he's growing outside of it. He's not root bound. He runs a glue press and he wipes shavings off his shoulders and he's got him a little board above his little cubby, his little locker deal. And he is reaching Jesus. I'd take that any day over a bank vice president that's going to bust hell wide open because they don't know Jesus. You see? We get our priorities all mixed up. And so we close this morning by asking the question, what are you feeding yourself, young person? What's going in those earbuds? 
Well, it's not that bad. Well, what kind of music are you listening to? I talked to a man after the first service, a young man, again, in his 20s. I'm just kind of migrating to these millennials. I love them. And he goes, you know what I've started to do? He said, there's one of the radio stations out there that says, take the 30-day challenge, listen to nothing but country music for 30 days and see what it does to your life. He said, I've been doing that. He said, I'm telling you, it is really helping me. He said, he said I've, I've been listening to, to Christian music, and he said, I've been listening to all kinds of trash. And he says, and I call myself a Christian. He said, he said it, literally, my thinking's changing. Of course, it's what he's taking into his root system. It's changing him. He's listening to things that are good. Are we taking the bait? Will we spend time with Jesus? What about in the morning? What will you do tomorrow? How much time do you spend with the Lord? Hmm? I mean, you're taking something in. Will you take 10 minutes to take him in? Get up early. I've told you this before. I, I'm up. Listen, I don't sit down and try to read my Bible and pray. Because what am I going to do? Because I'm tired all the time, just like you. Anybody here feel just superbly rested today? <laughs> we will rest when we get to heaven. So in the meantime, I walk around in my den on a rug in a rectangular pattern, reading my Bible, and I'll stop with my eyes open, thank you very much, I don't want to walk into my wall, and I pray. I've got a little notebook, I don't write in it every day, but if I, something profound hits me, I've got a little notebook and I write in it, I keep it in my briefcase. I still carry one of those, I need to get a backpack and get in the relevant world, but some of the kids go, what's a briefcase, you carry your underwear in it? No. I said, <laughs> Will you spend time with him? See, if you're running through life right now and you're, so, you're too busy to spend time with God, then you are too busy. Busy is spelled B-U-S-Y, buried under Satan's yoke. Verse 6 and verse 7, and we're done. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in Him, take stuff into your root system that's from Him, that's established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.